Hey, everybody. I'm worth more than 2,000 credits. He's not even a droid. It's Mike. Welcome to Rebels Rebels, the podcast where two buds chat batch with a couple of brews. Yeah, so we're recording on a Saturday night, and you know what that means for Mike. Saturday nights, we get a little funky. Saucy. What, what are you drinking, Mike? Oh, my gosh. This is my favorite brewery. Probably for the last three years has been Discretion Brewery here. Just 30 miles north of me in Santa Cruz is a brewery called Discretion Brewery, and I love it. So I'm getting a, mm. a hazy IPA called Azaka. It's really good. Nice. What are you drinking? I am drinking. So I am cutting out liquor to quite Ooh. a bit. Good so. Job. But my vice instead is I am drinking Lagunitas Hi-Fi Hops. Oh, nice. It is. We are in a state where adult death sticks are legal. And so this is a sparkling water brewed by Lagunitas with some hops in it and 10 milligrams of death stick juice. So I've never, I've never tried death stick liquid before. Yeah. Yeah. So Um, it's very, very nice. And to our younger viewers, try Yuhu. Yeah. Yuhus are great. We are above age, and this is a we are in a legal state for all of these adult beverages. One of my good buddies, Dan, his uh his son, I hope, still listens to our show. So Noah, if you're listening, Yuhu. Yuhu, Noah. Don't disappoint your dad, Noah. <laughs> <laughs> um, cool. And so before we get started, we have to Pop a pack. Yeah, let's do it. So I've got to remind everyone the wide vision trading cards from Star Wars Episode One. I'm opening a new pack. Um, this one has Darth Maul on it. Ooh, so nice. The game here is I'm going to read three of these cards at random. They all have a fun little title and then a fun description at the end. And Mike is going to try to guess what the scene is on the card. Are you ready, Mike? I'm ready. The first one, snagged by Sebulba. Okay, so I'm guessing Sebulba. Sebulba! Sebulba! Took is taking the lead in the pod race. He's, he pushed him out of the oh, way. I thought you, this was a gimme. I thought this was going to be your first win. Dang it. Scolded by an outraged vendor, Jar Jar opens his mouth in surprise, and the tuba treat snaps away, ricocheting uh, around the market, and finally lands in Sebulba's it. soup, splashing him thoroughly. Dang it. Here's the picture on it. It's a wow. picture of Sebulba kicking, kicking, holding the little frog thing with his feet in Jar Jar's face. Almost got that one. Okay, give me the All next right. one. Escape from Tatooine. Oh, okay. Uh, I am thinking, I'm going to get real specific. I'm thinking okay. the, uh, the Tantivi, Tantivi 5, is that what it's called? Is escaping from tattooing, is jetting off from tattooing, the silver ship, the Tantivi. Isn't that, isn't the Tantivi 5, isn't that Leia's oh, ship Leia's at the beginning ship. of A New Hope? Yeah, you're right. Fudge. Sugar. Um, so, well, so, it's that silver ship. It's that silver yeah, ship jetting away. So close. Fudge. 
Having found his quarry, the sinister Darth Maul jumps off his Sith speeder and quickly swings a powerful death blow with his lightsaber that is barely blocked by Qui-Gon Jinn. Buzz. There. Oh, Mike right now is showing me on video his Darth Maul pin. Uh-huh. Was is that a Black Series that. Rebels? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's a great pin. So, yep, yeah, it's the scene where Qui-Gon... And Darth Maul are fighting as the silver oh. ship is taking away, but it is not a picture of the silver Sugar. ship. Sugar. I'm just nailing all my cusses today. All right. You got to okay. get this one. I, I believe in you. Pod race preparations. <laughs> Pod race preparation? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Anakin and I'm going to guess the exact scene. Anakin is around his pod racer and C-3PO is in the background. So close, Mike. Buzz. Let's see. So as Anakin prepares for his pod race, Qui-Gon, sensing an incredibly strong presence of the force within the boy, questions his mother. There is no father that I know of. I carried him. I gave birth. I can't explain what happened. He is special from the very beginning. But so that that description is talking about Shmi and Qui-Gon talking. That is not what is happening on the card. The scene on the card is... Jar Jar's tongue is getting stuck. Yeah, it's when Jar Jar gets his tongue stuck. And there is a C-3PO in the background. It's Jar Jar and C-3PO. So, and the pod. So I got most of that description, right? What the fuzz? Okay. Good try. Sugar. Well, how do you feel? Let's... Why don't we talk about Bad Batch Episode 4, Corn Red... Corn? <laughs> nice. It took me a second to realize what you're doing. Cornered. Okay. Thanks. Yep. Yep. Okay. Um, how did you feel about this episode? Uh, do you have um, any, general, any general thoughts? Uh, general thoughts reporting <laughs> for duty. Um, I like, do you know what? I think I have fun with most episodes that are in, um, oh, I forget this planet, what it's called. El, Alteron? Oh. Alteron? Alderon? No, this no, no, is not Alt. Alderon. Uh, no, it's um, oh, Atlatron. I'm gonna look it up real quick. Keep At, talking. I think it's Atlatron or something like that. But it, it's it's like a Coruscant type city, like very city heavy. Mm-hmm. Some trees, but anything that has a Blade Runner vibe, which this one slightly does, um, I I have fun with because that's a that's a biome of Star Wars. I. I'm quite fond of, to be honest. So a lot of it takes place there. Uh, I think if you stripped that out, I don't know if I'd enjoy this episode a whole ton. This is episode four. Mm -hmm. And this is usually when it bottoms out in a series arc for me. So I'm hoping it starts to pick it up in season and episode five, but I still am enjoying it to be honest, but it is, it is, I don't know, it's dragging a little bit, but I'm still enjoying it. So I like that you brought that up. I actually found, I thought that the, my thoughts were that this episode is certainly a Bridger episode, but I think that it is a good Bridger episode, which I enjoyed this a lot. And I, I like that you brought up the planet. Um, I still have not looked it up. It's the one that the Praetorians, I think is what they're called. Prantorians are from, and so it's something like that. Um, and I will look it up in just a sec. Hmm. But I thought this planet was really cool, and I think we talked about this in the last episode. That this show has a vibe, and it's yeah, a cool it vibe. And they did a really cool mix of this planet where it felt very distinctly 
prequel and original trilogy to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Just I like did. how this era is bridging between the prequels and the original trilogy, this, um, you know, it's it's the stuff like The Chase. It seemed very much like the one in, was it, Attack of the Attack Clones? Attack of the Clones, right? yeah, it's, yeah, the beginning. Uh-huh, and it's kind of bright yeah. and has all those... Zam Wessel. Yep, was Zam Wessel. Which is my uh, character name for my best WoW tune, by the way. Oh, nice, I love that. Um, but it's also... Um, like it had the darkness and grittiness of the original trilogy. Like yeah. it's so subtle, but I loved when Omega bumps up against that crate and there's some sort of animal in there with glowing eyes, which yeah. looks exactly like the glowing eyes of some low budget creature that George Lucas made back in yeah. the seventies. And werewolf. I really, really enjoyed how it tied those two things together. Yeah. I will say this show looks beautiful. Yeah, um, it's so sick. Even compared to Rebels, like if you think about this animation style from Clone Wars to Rebels to Resistance to the newest season of Clone Wars and now to Bad Batch, the just the technological advances and the clear crispness and Mm-hmm. The detail of Bad Batch it surpasses all of those. Even the newest episode, even the uh, newest season of Clone Wars. So, to some degree, it's it feels like an homage to what you know. Lucas was a visual storyteller. Um, he didn't care much for dialogue, <laughs> which is obvious. Um, but it feels like that. It feels like visually stunning to me. Um, and I agree. That's kind of one of the things that's keeping me going is like, wow, this is this is a feat. This show really is. Yep. And so that the planet is Pantoria. It is the home planet of the Pantorians, um, which we saw in um, Clone Wars, and they were also. So let's see. The most famous Pantorian character is young Senator Ryu Chukchi, who helped negotiate the peace between sure. the Taos and the Pantorians on the Clone Wars. She appeared on the show a few more times as a background character, including during Ahsoka Tano's dismissal from the Jedi Order. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I completely agree. I think the vibe is really, really cool. Um, and I am super duper into it. I think... Um, I think I probably, it's not just the vibe that's holding me into it. I, I find that there, it's charming still. Like I'm still enjoying the Omega dynamic. I'm still enjoying the, even though it is a baby Yoda trope, uh, you know, her being the wide eyed character that we're trying to see this through. And I feel like there's a sense of wonder that star Wars has. That is really cool. Um, I'm, trying, I'm thinking about it in because, as we've mentioned, I'm watching a lot of Star Trek. Yeah, it's, it's almost like Star Trek. It's like, yeah, this is Star Trek. Like this is this is the future. Oh, I'm on a giant spaceship. Oh, that's weird. Here's like a weird animal no one's ever seen. Yep, just no, another day being on Star Trek. That's just people's day to day, you know. But one of the cool things about Star Star Wars is that there's all these characters that have never left their home planet. There's all these characters that have never been to space that have never seen this, have never seen that. And they have this sense of wonder and sometimes it's pulled off. Well, sometimes it's poorly pulled off, but I think that this is a time that I find it, it works for me. 
That's so funny that you bring that up um, because I thought about that almost. I thought about that in the moment where Omega is in space and they're approaching this planet and she like leans over and she's like, wow, a new planet. And I thought, damn, that's the right reaction for someone who's never been in outer space. Because I always thought that the weirdest part of A New Hope was when Luke is on the Millennium Falcon for the first time. It's the first time going to space. And for some reason, he seems so unimpressed by sitting in the cockpit of the Millennium Falcon for the <laughs> first time ever. Because it, it, it's a one-to-one comparison with what I would be like. Because people yeah. in my lifetime go to space. Going to space is, it's not normal, but it's a thing that happens. So if I went to space for the first time, it would blow my mind. But it's so funny to watch Luke Skywalker go to space for the first time and him be like, Okay, and he's just like this mopey, like, well, this is whatever. And so I like that Omega has that wide-eyed, wondered reaction to exploring the universe outside of her home planet of Camino because she's been trapped on Camino. which, to be honest, she probably has seasonal affective disorder because she lives basically in a Seattle planet, which is just waves <laughs> and rain. Yeah, that's totally true. Um, sorry, I had, I had to... Mute it real quick to burp. Uh, yeah, I think that's an it's an awesome point. I really I really like that, and I agree completely. Um, I think some of the other fun um, things in this episode that I liked a lot was um, that you know speaking about the planet, it we talked about this with rebels, and I think it's really cool to see is that the history of Lothal was that the empire was welcomed on the planet because it meant an end of the war in this specific time, but also like prosperity that Lothal was a poor planet. So the empire came saying, we'll bring jobs. Even this, you see, they're saying like, we will give you like free of charge for your gracious empire. We yeah, will. Everyone's clapping. Yeah. 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 Like, we will change your money. Yeah. And so I like that. Um, it, you really see it. It's essentially like the Empire Day. When we see it in Rebels, yeah, we see the is. episode Empire Day, and people are forced to celebrate. It's literally a mandatory celebration where I the military that. needs to point guns at them to celebrate. But at this point, it's genuine, and I think that's kind of a cool thing to see. Yeah. It's funny. It feels like my work has these mandated celebrations where everyone... <laughs> Never mind. I'll stop there. Um, <laughs> yeah, there, there was. Yeah, I agree. Um, and it, it's it's funny bringing up rebels. To be honest, I feel like that was so th- that season. Those seasons were so long ago. And yeah, I know, right? We just finished talking about that. I miss it. Um, yeah, and like but, think about. I mean, what are they actually celebrating? Which is just kind of a weird, you know, thing to get your mind around. Is they're they're celebrating that the stormtroopers or the clone troopers at this point, they saved them from the treacherous Jedi. They uncovered the treacherous Jedi plot and we need to cheer on our brave soldiers that saved us from those evil Jedi. Well, okay. You know, I have some empire sympathy, but it's, <laughs> it's, it's, but it's, div- it's devoid of the connection of light and dark because yeah. I think that's misleading. But if I were a citizen of a planet and there were two forces and one of them was this esoteric group of powerful wizard wielding you know force creatures 
that had a another troop behind them of uh, old. They're protecting the old republic ways, mm-hmm. trying to conserve the old ways that have always been, and they're led by this wizard force. And then there's this new force of, you know, new republic, like or, um, uh, it would be hard for me to get behind the Jedi because. For me, it feels like they're keeping this, these from the outside in. It feels like it's this group that's keeping the power to themselves. And it's one of the things I love about The Last Jedi and why I think that movie is absolutely brilliant is Luke Skywalker has this epiphany moment where the Force isn't for this group. It's for everyone. And I love yeah. that so much. And I've always thought if I were a citizen on a planet and the Jedi were hoarding this, the secrets of this power, I would hate them. Yeah, totally. Because it's, why can't me and my family who are struggling, why can't you teach everyone? Why, does, why do we have to be selected? Why do we have to be this, this, and this? This is something for everyone. And this group of generally mostly men are hoarding this thing. It feels like, mm. so I don't know. That's yeah. why I'm, I'm not pro-Empire, but I am not <laughs> pro-Jedi I'm not pro High Republic Jedi either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it, it seems, uh, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. And you see it in this uh, moment that they're willing to trade some of their freedoms for security, which might be in a lot of ways the most George Lucas thing mm-hmm. um, is because that's a lot of what the prequels is about. And I think yeah. at the core of it is exactly what you want. I bet a lot of people had salty feelings toward the, Jedi, and I think it's kind of understandable without really knowing what's in store from them for the Empire. Yeah, and I don't want to stray too far from the Bad Batch, but I think one of the things George Lucas tried to do with the prequels was paint this picture of the Jedi who had gone to this... They had they had self-indulged too far, and they'd become too much of a closed group, and they failed because of their hubris. And I think one of the things that viewer kept the kept a lot of viewers from seeing that was the original trilogy, in which the Jedi are this reduced force who are really trying to do good in the world, but there's only three or four of them, so mm-hmm. they're the underdog heroes. And then bring the but then you bring that to the prequels, and we're carrying this almost stigma of oh they're so good they're the underdogs. And you almost can't see that there's this privileged group in the prequels that George Lucas tried to paint them as. So I think it would be so cool to watch the movies, had never seen any of these from the prequels forward, chronologically in the Star Wars universe, from BBY, you know, 100 up to the Return of the Jedi or The Last Jedi. I think that would do a real favor to any viewer. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, I know. Me. That's why I said it. <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me of this. Uh, I don't know if you've seen this meme going around. It was on Twitter, um, but someone someone put a picture up of Mister Freeze and Poison Ivy from Batman and said he was trying to cool the planet and she was regrowing the forests and they wanted us to root for a trust fund fil- billionaire and they just showed a picture oh of Batman gosh. and I was I like, love that so you're much. right. <laughs> Hey, I have to hit pause really fast. My grandma called me, which is weird because it's 8 o'clock. I'm going to call her back real fast. Okay.
Okay, yeah, we're going to try to stop by. If we get up early, we're going to swing by before you guys leave. Okay. Tell her I say hi. Like oh, Peter, Peter says hi, too. We're, oh. we're, we're, record, we're recording the podcast right now, and he says hi. <laughs> oh, say hi to Peter, too, sweetheart. Okay, well. Okay, thank okay, you. Okay, love you. Okay, bye. I love you, too. <laughs> bye. Oh, she's she so sweet. She needed the number to a, a restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> She's so sweet. I love your grandparents. Oh, you'll see them soon. Oh, that's yeah. so funny. Well, I think we should probably segue into probably the biggest revelation of this episode is how to, I, I take notes on my phone and it auto-corrected to Fennec Shandy. Literally Sam Wessel. <laughs> yeah. Well, but not, n- not a, but not a, what is that? Mor- not Sam Wessel was a, a morpher. What do you call? It? What was the word? A uh, polymorph. I, I forget what the word for it was. Yeah. Um, but there, the armor looks like Sam Wessel's armor, which I love because I'm a big Sam Wessel fan. Which is such a I feel like random bounty hunter. <laughs> yeah. But Sam Wessel was an awesome bounty hunter. Totally. Um, I like her as a big bad. Yeah, it's really interesting because I saw a headline for an article that was like. The new episode of the band Bad Batch is about to test, fan, like test fans' fan like allegiance to characters. It was something like that. It's, and essentially, the concept of the article was in the Mandalorian. She's kind of like an anti-hero, like cool, like you got it, girl. We love you. But in this, she's a legit bad. And so, are people going to kind of turn on her? Have weird feelings about her? Okay, so new guy question. Yep. What? She was in Mandalorian? Really? You didn't oh, make that connection? Boy. Oh boy. That's that's so I wrote Fennec Shandy because it's a but it's Fennec Shand. That's uh Ming Na Wen from Mandalorian. It's the at the end of Mandalorian, she's the bounty hunter that's like with Boba Fett that she's gonna star in Book of Boba Fett. She's like oh, a main character in Mandalorian. What the fuzz? Yeah. Wow. So that's who that was. I, and it was voiced by Ming Na Wen. It sounded exactly like her too. I embarrassingly did not know that. That's funny. Wow. I'm so hopefully it, the avatar for everyone who does not know. It is actually I think they they never say her name. So no, that is they hundred percent do not. And, and I did not read any articles. You were saying like she she yeah, so they do say it is Fennec Shand very specifically in on like Wikipedia and on articles and things like that. Also, her name like I said, it's voiced by Ming Na Wen. So if you look, go back and listen to it, you can tell the voice is exactly the same as in The Mandalorian, oh. which was the big tip off for me. The other thing is she actually we don't see it much in, in Mandalorian, but the Zam Wesla helmet you were talking about, she wears that in Mandalorian as well. So so she has a very similar costume. Wow. I'm going to go back to Mandalorian because I fudge and love that show yep. and rewatch this episode now because that'll make it all the better. Well, that's interesting. Um, she has some really funny moments in this, <laughs> in this episode. I, I, I specifically remember the timestamp because I rewound it a few times, which is 1845 at 1845 when she's in the, high-speed chase, she at one point jumps into a civilian's land cru- or cruiser or whatever it's called, mm-hmm. slams his head against a dashboard, and then throws him out of the spaceship. I know. I the noticed spaceship. that. And, they, and all I could think was, 
Okay, so you killed him because you threw him out of a speeding, you know, it was going maybe 100 miles an hour and maybe 40 feet high in the air. You mm-hmm. threw him out. Why did you have to slam his head into the <laughs> dashboard first and then throw him out? Yeah. That's funny. That I, was, uh, that I was also, uh, and this probably goes to what I was saying about testing fan loyalty is, uh, you know, it is kind of interesting just to see that she just very nonchalantly, no Fs given, turns around and caps two cops. Dude, and <laughs> you see the bullet, you see the blast go the through the window, too. Yeah, it was pretty rad. Um, um, there's a, before we move on from this moment, I just want to touch base on this another funny thing that happens, which is while this is all happening and Omega jumps on this, it's like a, a freight truck or something mm-hmm. basically you get a quick five second shot of the guy who's driving it and it goes it's like him nodding his head to like this techno music it's like doonch, 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 <laughs> yeah doonch, the doonch, guy. and it's just yeah it's this aqualash going like nodding his head to like mm-hmm. and i'm like okay and i have so many questions <laughs> and the questions are like is that a radio is that something like a uh, an iphone or an ipod an iPod, like, mm-hmm. is that his selected music? Is this a wavelength? Like, how do people get music? But more importantly, <laughs> who are the groups recording the music? Are there record labels? Are they making money? Like, I want to know about the musical industry in the Star Wars universe. Yeah, that's and a good as point you, Peter, you're you're the you're the group musician in the band these days. What's going on there? <laughs> well, we've seen I it's interesting because we have seen like posters for like super rock bands on the ghost and things like That's that. True. Um so there has to be something my guess and this is just a guess because I do remember there in a certain point of view there's a story from the Oh yeah, the uh, band, the, of uh, the Cantina band. Yeah, the uh Oh, I have. Was I used it? to have the modal those, nodes. The, the modal nodes. Something, something in the modal. Phrygian Dan and the modal. Phrygian modal, Dan modal, and the modal nodes. nodes. I, I can't believe I I pulled that. Whoa, good one. <laughs> Thanks. And um, and what's the species called? Um. Oh no. Because there's, I had a Smiths hybrid shirt with them. Yeah. Instead of the Smiths in front of the Lads Club, it was that group in front of the Something's Club. The Oh shoot! What are those species remember. called? Okay, fair yeah. Um, I forgot. What was. Oh, but I my guess is that it's much more P.T. Barnum esque. It's less like there's a there's a labels and touring, especially since Planet to Planet. Like you never like you're going to Tatooine. That's way different than Coruscant. So I feel like there's like you know a band shows up and there's like Carnival Barkers like. Come here, come here, Frigid Dad of the Modal Nodes tonight, tonight, tonight. That's just my guess. I, it makes me wonder how often they're at that bar and tattooing the cantina. Yeah. Like they're the cantina band. Well, I think in the story it had something to do with like the Phrygian Dan, who was the leader of the band. And I'm I'm completely doing this off memory from years ago. So I'm getting details wrong, I'm sure. But like took out a bad investment and then was in debt and took out a loan from Jabba the Hutt. 
And it's right. something about that where like they were indentured to Job of the Hut, and they were like a famous band that was making a ton of money, but now they're playing like this like crappy, yeah, like edge of the universe place because they had to essentially like pay off this gangster. That's so cool. Yeah, I, it makes me want to read the certain point of view Empire Strikes Back series, which I have not yet read. Yeah, I have not either. I love that book, and I, I I didn't even know that it came out until we had a uh, Dave Gonzalez on, and he mentioned it. So I think we need to we need to put that up maybe for our book club that we've been, we've been talking about. That might be one to to put yeah. on the queue. That would be easy. A story each week. Yeah, yeah, super simple. Can I tell you something that made me laugh? Sure. So there's that scene where Fennec is holding. Um, Omega off of the ledge and she saves her life, which I thought was a nice moment too. Maybe that shows a little bit more of that, Mm -hmm. what people love about Fennec. Um, But she goes, I, I wrote it down. She goes, Tuck and roll when you land, kid. I know. And she doesn't. She drops him and Omega just like splats. She does the exact opposite as tucking and rolling. I know. I thought the same thing. I thought, why would you <laughs> say that line and not have her then tuck and roll? Because it, it, it diminishes the value of that line altogether. Which, mm-hmm. by the way, I, I twice in this episode where there are moments where Omega was hanging from the thread of something. One, she was hanging off the strap of a speeding cruiser. And another where she was hanging off a tower. And all I can think was, how long could a, I don't know, what is she? She's probably 12, 10, yeah, 10 to 12, 12 year old. I think. How long could a 10 to 12 year old hang off of anything? And I, I could hang off something for, I'm thinking I could do five to 10 seconds. Mm, yeah. Maybe. What you're not thinking of is it's space, so less gravity. Well, it's not space. They're in an atmosphere in a planet. It's space. It's like when uh, people go to the moon. There's less gravity. Okay. Yeah. You know, like questioning physics in Star Wars (laughs) is something you should never do. Yep. Um, It's not Star Trek. So leave the science behind. Mm -hmm. I believe it. Totally. Um, My only other note about Fennec is that I really liked that move that she did when Wrecker comes at her and she kind of outsmarts him, uses his own momentum against him and smashes his face into the thing. It just shows some her being dangerous, even though she's a smaller character. Um, I was even noticing that when she was talking to the, you know, the junkyard guy, she's a very slight frame, but real dangerous still yeah and that's fair it's that's nice the uh i have two more comments one it's funny that this all begins with the bad luck of her putting her oh and i forget the name of it her stuffed animal on well it was that wasn't it wasn't her stuffed animal from the ship that's actually a kind of fun easter egg is that it was a clone trooper doll Oh shoot! Um, it was like a stuffed clone trooper doll, and the the two notes I actually had about that was it is that goes to what I was saying about them being appreciative of the military. Like, you know, it's so, like you they made it's like GI Joe essentially. It's like, oh, here's our brave clones. We're gonna make a little toy for kids about for them, which is kind of an interesting touch. And then it was saying that people were theorizing that it was inspired by the Jin Urso. Doll because oh, when Jin Urso yeah. had stuffed like right. Stormtrooper uh, when she was a kid. Oh, Jin Urso. Yep. A fudge. Right. Ooh, I'm sorry. Edit there. 
uh, Rogue One. Rogue One breaks my heart. Um, I think it's, I think it's awesome. Um, yeah, I got to rewatch it. Um, do you know what's funny? One of my favorite Star Wars books is still Catalyst, mm. which is the story of Galen Urso and Lyra Urso, her parents, in their journey and becoming, you know, they're mining for kyber crystals and these scientists. It's a real, just really interesting story. But um, second note I had I wanted to touch on was I have to think, and now I know the bounty hunter's name that I've forgotten. What's her name? Fennec Shan. Fennec Shan. The whole time I was watching this, didn't pick up that with her because her name was never said, and I wouldn't have recognized that name, to be honest. I thought, she's Mulan, dude. Oh, no, shoot. Yeah, she's the voice of Milan. She's a badass. Whoa. Um, well, I didn't. I didn't pick it up. I, to be honest, never saw Milan. Um, my wife. It's her favorite Disney movie. I embarrassingly have never seen it. It's a good one. Um, I did see the new one, and I love that. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, but uh, where was I going? Somewhere between here <laughs> and. Bud's talking batch with a brew. Brew. Bud's talking batch with a brew. Um, <laughs> I I thought that Omega and the I thought the bounty hunter must have a vested interest in Omega. Like as far mm-hmm. as is she somehow connected with her in a clone DNA donor kind of relationship? Oh, Why is she so? Because she seems. Like she needs her for something or for someone. We don't know who that person mm-hmm. pulling the strings is behind her because we see several s- scenes with the bounty hunter on a comm with someone. We don't know. Like at the end, I lost yep. her, but I will find her. So who's on the other side? But why is she also so careful with Omega as to go after her with but protect her? It seems like she has. Either she's <laughs> it, she's just a good person or she has something, a deeper connection to her we don't understand. I thought you said, why is she going after her with a butt protector? <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> but that's a good point. I, that was my last actual note, um, probably for the episode, other than Easter eggs, is um, who is she talking to? And I don't, I mean, the, the obvious one would be the cloners on Camino. She was hired by them. But I think that's going to be kind of an interesting thing we're unraveling. And my guess is that Crosshair hired her because Crosshair knows the team and knows that that would be, if you want to get to Hunter, you get to this girl. It is interesting that he is not, does make zero appearance in this episode. Yep, totally. Um, oh, I lied. My actual my actual last note is that Clink is my new favorite droid. <laughs> Clink was the oh the like God. half astromech, half uh protocol droid. He looked like R2D2 with like weird floppy arms and legs, and he was so cute. And I'm I freaking love Clink. Which is Clink kind of has a L3 vibe. Yeah. Totally. A little bit of like spunk and panache. <laughs> Like a little bit of attitude, yep. Yeah. Which K two S O and L three have, but like it's the kind of attitude that's respected, as opposed to C three P's attitude, which is kind of degraded. Yep. 
uh, which I love. Yeah. I love L3 and I love K2SO. Probably my fit. And I would put in that same bucket uh, Chop Chopper. Mm. Chopper, L3, and K2SO. Yep. Totally. Great droids. Um, so did you have any other ideas or any other notes before I talk about Easter eggs? Nope. That's it. Cool. So we also, in this segment, we review text notes from the last episode. So if you remember, that's the trivia gallery that StarWars.com comes out um, because they sometimes have very fun stuff. I will say we touched on most things in the episode from last episode. Um but the one that I thought was kind of fun to call out is that they called out, if you remember the troop that Crosshair had, that Crosshair was commanding, they were wearing clone trooper armor, but it had a couple significant changes. It was colored black with green lenses. But the thing that I thought was interesting is that it's the first time we've seen clone trooper armor in different sizes because they had to fit them to the individual frames of the people instead of one size fits all because everyone in the military was exactly the same size. Wow, I didn't know that. <laughs> Noise. <laughs> uh, <laughs> The only other interesting thing from text notes for the replacements is that if you remember, Omega has a new room that was built <laughs> to her by Wrecker. What what the listener doesn't know is there was about thirty seconds of delay <laughs> in between Peter's comment and me saying, "Oh wow, I didn't know that," <laughs> because I said, "Hold on a second, I have to go to the bathroom," and now I'm jumping back in. <laughs> Oh, these episodes are fun. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, but Wrecker converted, made a new room on the ship for Omega, and that room is in the top gun port. <laughs> so she shares a room with a turret gun. Huh. Well, okay. Yeah. I, I didn't know that. But, yep. I mean, I guess that's a comforting room because if everything's okay, everything's okay. Yep. All right, and some Easter eggs for this episode. Um, <clears throat> when that that junkyard guy calls Shand, I forgot oh forgot my his gosh. name. That freaking junkyard guy, by the way. Yeah, I know. Um, he identifies himself as Raspar Six, um, which is reference to the to the legends. To the Star Wars Legends. Oh. Uh, Raspar 6 was a delinquent moon, which made it got bad grades. <laughs> and it, because of an atomic nice. explosion, uh, the weather said that it, I don't know, messed up the moon. So, yeah, it's a moon from Legends. Um, another Easter egg is that, did you remember the, there's those dogs, um, they're called Vorpax. Uh, mm. those were also a legends thing, and, but they were canonized when they were mentioned in solo. And then, um, also they were in Star Wars resistance. So they're throwbacks to legends. And when Omega first sees the Vorpax, she goes, hello there. So she is the third character to drop a hello there. That is, I don't know. Mind blowing. Yes, that's mind blowing. Totally mind blowing. (laughs) Oh, don't give me two (laughs) thousand. I've been waiting to say that line. Yeah, nice. 
give you 2000 So that guy, actually, that's one of my Easter eggs, too, is that voice was voiced by Bobby Moynihan from SNL. Whoa. Um, he also was. Wait. Really? Yeah. Bobby Moynihan guessed it as traitor number, or traitor, as the traitor. And he was also played someone named Citizen Number Two. Whoa. Yeah, I like him. Also, there was another SNL star, Taryn Killam. What? He was the depot manager, uh, that Godel guy, and the land speeder driver, probably the one that got killed. In this episode. Yeah, Taryn Killam. And Bobby Moynihan, SNL buds. SNL buds talking batch. I'm very weirded out by that. <laughs> Weird. Um, there was another notable voice is Gray Griffin, who was the voice of Padme, Amidala, Asajj, Ventress, Shakti, and others on the Jendi Tartakovsky Clone Wars series, was the one who voiced the sassy protocol droid CG-67. I mean, that one doesn't shock me much, but <laughs> Darren Killam and Bobby Moynihan on this episode. Yep. They must be Star Wars fans. Must, I mean, Bobby Moynihan I mean, was in Resistance. He was one of the junkyard. There was the two junkyard owner yeah, people. Yeah. The traitors. He was, he was okay. in that. So he, he's got ties to Star Wars already. I get, I think Darren Killam. I mean, I think they honestly are probably just fans and they jumped on. When you think about it in the Mandalorian, how many people from SNL were on. Yeah. You know, that's true. I keep thinking about it as a, like Taron Killam being like, let me be on, let me be on. Yeah. Kind of like how Samuel L. Jackson was, yeah. put me on, I'll do anything. But maybe they are just reaching out as fans. And I guess I'm just considering the, the relationship of everyone who's on is just wanting to be on Star Wars somehow. <laughs> yeah. But that's my inner dialogue coming out, I suppose. Yeah. I've got to imagine someone's a comedy fan because there were a bunch of comedians that were cast on Mandalorian. I mean, probably yeah. John Favreau. I mean, that was John, sure. that's John Favreau. Yeah. That's John. That's 100% that a John Favreau. Um, my last Easter egg is that there was a Lothcat sighting in this episode when Hunter, Echo, and Omega stroll through the streets of Pantoria. The child spies two feline creatures sitting atop a cage nearby. The left one is a Lothcat, which is a type of Tuca. And the right one is a Tuca. Which is a type of Wolfcat. I think it's like one of those things where it's like, like not all Christians are Catholic, but all Catholics are Christians. It's like one of those things. So it's like not all Lothcat or all Lothcats are Tukas, but not all Tukas are Lothcats. I don't understand any of that logic. Yep, it makes perfect sense. That <laughs> That is all I have for this episode. Mike, do you remember our rating scale? I do. Perfect. Do you want to go first? Yes, let me go first. Great. So, Great. on a sidekick rating scale of Jar Jar Binks being my least favorite sidekick to K2SO being mm -hmm. my most favorite sidekick um, in Star Wars... I would give this episode a. Mm, this is gonna. This is gonna sound kind of harsh. An R two D two. Wait, why which, is that harsh? 
It's harsh because most people think that translates to an A. I think it translates to like a decent B. Okay. I'm right. not the biggest. I don't think that's too harsh. Oh, I understand okay. it. It's okay. I th- well, I think he's idolized as like the droid of droids. But to me, yeah. I don't know why he has to appear so much. It's just I'm not <laughs> that interested in R2D, to be honest. Uh, so yeah. this episode is. It feels like a solid B, and I, I want to. It's like I, I want to tack on to that. It's a solid B because I've seen four episodes of this show, mm-hmm. and in the four episodes I've seen, this one's a solid B. It's like the ratings change each time I see a new episode, and I want to. I want to watch this thing holistically and then rate it. Yeah, but fair enough. In the arc of these four episodes, this one is a B. Episode three diminishes a little bit, actually quite a bit, to be honest. Mm, interesting. In, in my on my favorite Star Wars or Star Trek podcast that I've mentioned, the Greatest Generation. Um, I think I've brought them up on this before. They are going through Star Trek Discovery, and they do an episode by episode one, and then they watch the entire season into an episode. So yeah, makes sense. Would you, would you be down to do to rewatch this entire season at the end? I mean, yeah, I think because I think it would fundamentally change it. I mean, think about big conversation here. Think about Game of Thrones before you saw season eight. Yeah, fair. I love Game of Thrones. Love that show still, regardless of how it ended. But it's funny. I can't rewatch it anymore because of season eight that that season fundamentally changed how i view every episode leaving leading up to that yeah that's a good point all right my dog's barking like crazy so i'm gonna get out of here and do my rating scale before it it gets too nuts my scale is between jar jar binks and ahsoka tano with ahsoka being the best sidekick and jar jar being the worst sidekick just to clarify in case you were confused i give this episode all right, Mike, this might sound harsh. All right. Oh, okay, okay. I see what you're doing. I give this episode a Lando. <laughs> and it's harsh. Which Lando? Which one of the two? <laughs> the OG Lando. Okay. I That might be harsh because of the exact same logic. Most people might give him an A, but I give him a B. Um, I think like the, and it's a lot like this episode. It's kind of just a bridger. It's like... That's how I feel about like most things that happen in Cloud City. It's the part of uh, part of Empire Strikes Back where I'm like, eh, I guess I could go do like a food break or something during this or whatever. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's a great bridge between two awesome parts of the movie, but it's still you know it's a bridge. So Fair does that enough. make any sense? No, this episode's getting away from us. Uh, it really is. Yeah, it's Saturday you- night. Recording everything's getting yep. away from us. Yep, I think the bruise, these buds, Bev Don are starting to kick in. Yeah. So, Mike, do you want to tell the people where they can find us so <laughs> yeah. we can go lay down? Yeah, I need to lay down. I'm too old for this. <laughs> I'm getting too old for this. And uh, and uh, to quote Han Solo. Yep. Well, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, or Gmail at Rebels Rebels Pod, and. Um, that's it. That's yeah, right. That's it. That's really. That's it. That's right. And let's, let's get this done with. Let's go. Okay. Until we'll next start time. Start stress. I know. Until next time. Remember to be brave out there. Don't look back. Don't look back. Don't look back.
I'm having a great time, Mike. Me too. Goodbye. Bye. It's like a hybrid <laughs> that mostly is like a relaxer. I love that you burped and you had to lean in. <laughs> Hell yeah, brother. <laughs> uh, there's going to be so many bloopers at the end of this episode. Uh, okay. Let's roll on. I'm ready.